I'm your host, Laura Lowen, former therapist, go-getter entrepreneur, future church planter, and throwback hip-hop lover. I want to help you implement practical steps on how to live out the abundant life. Listen in on stories of faith, hope, and inspiration as we pursue the abundant, fruitful life together. If you're ready to get cracking on personal and spiritual growth and have some fun while doing so, you're in the right place. All right, so today I have on my friend Emma Wells. She is probably one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. Um, So Emma, we are doing the Enneagram series. So first of all, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, kind of your life stage, and then your Enneagram number, of course? Yes. So I'm Emma. I am on Laura's Young Living team, so that's how we know each other. I just moved down about a year ago to Texas from Colorado with my husband. We've been married five years. We hit five years in August, and we have two little kids. We just had our little boys three, and our little girl just turned seven months. And we, yeah, packed up and moved away from all our family for um, a job down here and just um, where we felt that God was leading us to go. So we are down here and loving it. And even though it's really hot, it's <laughs> really, really good. And yeah, such a good, a good fresh season for us. So we love it here. And I am an Enneagram number two. Number two. Awesome. And yes. can you tell us what your wing is? My wing is three, so I am a very strong two-wing three. Okay, awesome. That's always really good to know. And I feel like especially, I don't know about for you, but when I listen to Enneagram stuff um, with Enneagram numbers that like I am when I listen to eights, and when they're not a wing seven like I am, I'm like, you don't sound like an eight. And then I have to remind myself, well, Laura, that's because they don't have your wing. So they have like a totally different personality, you know? Yes. All the different subcategories change it quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. I want to talk about the two, which I was actually just talking to the young man who lives with us. He's also a two. And oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. So actually, just this evening, we were talking about how we feel like a lot of women want to be twos. Like when they take the Enneagram test and they see the overviews. I feel like most women are probably like, oh my gosh, I'm such a two. Do you think that's true or do you have other thoughts about that? I think probably so. I think there are probably a couple different numbers that that would draw you to them. But I feel like, yeah, twos are just helpers and cheerleaders and very in tune with people's needs. They usually tend to be like softer personalities. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of times people want to be that. So I could see how people would be drawn to that. It has kind of desirable qualities on the surface, I guess. No, it really does. I mean, I think I think it has desirable qualities all the way through, for sure. So do you remember taking the test or kind of, you know, going through maybe different summaries or do you kind of remember discovering that you were too and like what your reaction was? Like if you were oh my gosh, that's so me, or yes, I'm a two, or like, oh gosh. Do you remember any of that? Yes, I remember taking my test. Um, I think I, I kind of held off on the Enneagram because I've done all the personality tests, and I'm super into it, and I know a lot about myself. So I was like, well, this one's probably not super different, and 
like, why would I need to take that one? But I just decided to take one online and found out I was a two and it totally is spot on. Yeah, this one was just more in depth and <laughs> I didn't know that all the combinations of everything were fit in one category of one type of test. So I thought it was really, really interesting just because I knew lots of different bits and pieces of myself and different personality traits um, and then different underlying fears and kind of the baggage that I got from my family and all the different things like that. And so all of them were kind of wrapped up into one little pretty package that seemed so me. And it was just really surprising that it all came in one place. So, yeah. But yeah, it definitely was super spot on and super, that is so me, 100% felt like they're seeing right through me and you can just know all the things about me from reading a little blurb on a test answer. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It is, it is so true. It's like, wait, why, why did you just like reveal me to the world here with this little summary? What's going on? So would you say that you, do you like being a two? Like if, let's say you were at, I don't know, like a, some kind of event or, you know, a, a get together, whatever. And people were talking about the Enneagram and they were like, Emma, what number are you? Uh, What's kind of like your like gut level response to telling people that you're a two? I, I like being a two. I think, um, I, yes, it is good. I think, um, I, I think I'm a fairly healthy two. So I get most of the positive qualities about it. So, um, I, I feel like you can flip into the the things that are not so positive about being a two, but for the most part, when I'm healthy, which is the majority of the time, then all the the traits are positive and things I really appreciate about myself and my ability to relate to people and just my ability to meet and see needs at a deep level um, and even like identify things in people that they don't know about themselves. And I'm very empathetic and all those types of things. So um, I, I love those things about myself. So I think being a two is fun and I don't, I don't mind sharing that I'm a two with people. I'm I wear it loud and proud. I love it. I and I think that's so good, especially as a Christian woman as a two. It is my perception that for a lot of Christian women, it might be hard or they might feel like they almost need to make excuses for themselves. And really I feel like that's for almost any number, you know, like for mm-hmm. Christian women that they might feel like, oh man, I, I need to kind of backpedal after I tell people, or I, I need to justify, you know, why it's maybe not so bad, or I'm, oh, I'm not as great as you think I am, or whatever weird thing we get in our head that day. So I just love hearing from you, especially as a two and a Christian woman that you really enjoy being your number, because that's a really good thing. You know, I just like, I feel like there's probably just a good amount of Christian women who are twos that, you know, might, I don't know, might feel like they have to just like justify it or something. So I think that is really good. It's, it's super healthy. Now, I remember from talking to the young man who lives with us that the, uh, the stress number of a two is an eight, which is hilarious, of course, because I'm an eight. And when you said, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty healthy too. Like I can definitely tell that you are because there has been no point in our relationship where I'm like, wow, she's really mirroring me right now. <laughs> so I just think that's funny. Yes. But um, do you, do you happen to remember what the growth number of a two is? 
It's a four. It's a four. That's right. Yes. Yes. It's a four. So do you see any instances of that pop up for you where, you know, maybe you feel more like unique or creative or kind of what your interpretation of before? Yes. I think um, because twos can slip into being kind of codependent and being super so in tune with other people that you're kind of melting their their thoughts and their feelings and their needs onto yourself Mm -hmm. and I feel like the four adds that healthy balance of finding your individualism and making sure you're being like taking care of your own needs and getting the creative juices flowing which is something I love in terms of like writing and my sense of fashion and all that are kind of individualistic and a little bit creative so when I'm pursuing a four that's kind of the way that it comes out for me just being more in tune with myself and being okay with having my own needs and pursuing things that I think are fun myself and that type of thing. Yeah. No, that's so good. And I think that's probably super helpful for the twos that are listening, which, you know, I think are are going to be actually a lot of the women who listen. I'm willing to put money on that. We've got a lot of twos listening, especially being believers who are interested in podcasts and things like that. So I think that's just so good though. And with what you said about, you know, being okay with having your needs met, I think that's so incredibly powerful, especially for the female too. I think probably even more than male twos would be my best guess. But have you noticed times in your life where, you know, you maybe felt like, oh, I can't have my needs met or I, I just need to take care of everyone else? Yeah, I think um, this is kind of where it's interesting because I just assumed that some of my my baggage and my issues and my underlying things that I kind of believe about myself just came from my family. But a lot of it is just the way we interpreted the message, the messages sent by our families. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have, uh, she displays eight qualities is my mom. And so she is a little bit strong and more black and white and more do it my way. And so I kind of interpreted that as that my needs are not important Mm -hmm. and that I need to just kind of take care of myself. So there are definitely lots and lots of situations growing up that I remember just having things build up inside me to the point of where I just was not okay. And then I would just kind of go deal with them by myself when I had like a breakdown or something from that. And so I think that was just kind of me yeah, interpreting that that way that I wasn't allowed to have needs and that I needed to deal with them by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like for me. I said that's actually something that I've found in marriage um, was the freedom to have my own needs and be given permission and like interest in my needs and like the ability to to address those and express them and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was, I mean, that's just so good and so helpful and especially First of all, what you said about, you know, what what happened to us in childhood and the messages that we received it's really is how we interpret it, you know, and how uh-huh. so many of us could, you know, be in the exact same home, raised by the exact same parents, and just by the way that we're wired and, you know, the Lord has put us together and everything like that and our own struggles that we could walk away having completely different experiences. So. I think that's so good. And yeah, with marriage, gosh, with with a female too, I could just imagine that sometimes it would feel like, 
oh my goodness, like, especially as a Christian, right? Christian woman, like I better stinking meet all my man's needs, put myself on the back burner, you know, and you just, obviously you hear of women just doing that all the time. And I really do. I mean, I know you, you know this about me. I just believe so strongly that we can simultaneously love people and serve other people, but we can still kindly and assertively speak out and say, Hey, this is, this is what I need. And this is what I'm thinking, you know? So it's just so, so good. And we can do that. How do you feel like Connor specifically helped kind of draw that out in you that it is okay to have your needs met? Yeah. So I think he, when we first got married and when we were like kind of first dating even when we we did a lot of like inner healing type counseling stuff to kind of deal with a lot of our own junk before we got married and so in that we actually had to take tests perceiving each other and Connor was like spot on with all of his perceptions of me and so our the guy that was counseling us said well he's he's definitely perceptive of your needs and what you say and he's a good student of you um, and that just kind of has carried on to, to throughout our marriage mm-hmm. and so I think he took extra effort and I had to basically explain to him straight up that what I would need from him and I think that's something that's really really important to do as a two is to figure out how to directly communicate because as a two we perceive other people's needs so well and so accurately and so deeply mm-hmm. without needing to be told that it's so hard to not understand how someone else can just understand your needs without you having to say anything. So the art of directly communicating is so, so important as too. And so early on in our marriage, I just had to kind of have a straightforward conversation of, I need you to pursue me when I'm having hard emotions or when I'm having a breakdown or when I'm closing off from you that means I need you to pursue me because I don't believe that you actually want to know what's going on inside my heart Mm. and so um, I think he definitely made a a very active pursuit of my heart and my my needs in the beginning of our marriage that proved to me that he really did care and he didn't want me to just go cry by myself to deal with my needs like he wanted to hold me while I was crying and hear what was going on in my heart and what hurt me whether that was something else or something that he had done and just that gave me the freedom to feel like it was okay to actually express those needs and that he wasn't going to expect me to be strong for him all the Mm -hmm. time that it was okay for me to have those weaknesses and the hurts and to be able to walk with them walk through them with him. So that's what it looked like for us. Yeah. What what a gift. I mean, seriously, I'm so thankful that you were able to marry him and someone that could just walk with you, you know, in the way that you're wired. I'm sure for a lot of women listening, they might have a response to that of, wow, that's really great for her. And it might be like, that's really great for her because my husband isn't that way. And so Uh if there's someone that is listening that they know they're a two or they might be new to the whole Enneagram thing, think they're a two and they're like, you know what? I try to meet everyone's needs. I rarely think about myself. I'm always thinking about what I can do for other people. And my husband is not in tune with what I need. And I, I don't really speak up and tell him. What do you think are some good starting points for women to try to find their voice and communicate their needs? I think writing down your needs is a good thing because I feel like 
deep in the places of our heart, we all know our needs mm-hmm. and we just don't want to have to express them to people. Yeah, that's so good. So I think, yeah, just learning how to directly acknowledge those needs, whether that's writing them down or saying them to yourself or just thinking them through in your own mind, um, just putting words to those needs, I think is important and acknowledging hurt is important that not everything makes you happy <laughs> and that's okay as a two because mm-hmm. we tend to be positive positive outlook people but um, recognizing the needs and the hurts and acknowledging those things is I think a really good step and then coming up with a way of communicating those in a respectful and kind way to your husband is such a good thing because it, it's safe to say that most husbands want our best interests like mm-hmm. they have our best interests in mind and so I don't think most husbands if they knew your needs would purposefully choose not to meet them mm-hmm. so um, I think that's a huge thing is just expecting your husband to want to work with you on communicating better and getting those needs met so yeah I think just having a, a good straightforward frank conversation about what your needs look like and ways you can work on them together so you're not placing just blame on him because there definitely is the aspect of not communicating your needs which is then on you so I think it's kind of a joint a joint effort of making sure you're communicating clearly so that he can respond clearly back to you yeah that is seriously the best advice I love that writing it down can kind of be like a baby step for people and Mm -hmm. especially if because because sometimes people could view that as confrontation, even though it doesn't have to be viewed as confrontation, and I don't think it's confrontation. But I think, yeah, it could it could easily be perceived that way, especially for the person who's wrestling with even speaking up and saying something. So I love uh-huh. that baby step of just writing it down because I feel like that takes some of the overwhelm out of it, and it becomes less intimidating when you can be like, okay, I can just write it down and maybe I can just sit with it for a minute and see, Uh see if it, if it looks so bad on paper. And then usually we'll be like, oh yeah, it's not actually as bad as I thought it was, you know, and it's not bad at all. And to just what you said about having the expectations that our husbands do have our best in mind. I mean, that's just beautiful because it's truly such an example of believing the best instead of assuming the worst. And then when we go into any conversation like that, it's only going to benefit us. So I love that you said that. And that's, that's definitely one of the things I was wondering about with, with the two and what that kind of looks like, uh, specifically within marriage, because, I think for most women, it's easy. I mean, even for myself, who apparently has the most ag- aggressive type, you know, it's it's hard to communicate our needs. And yeah. sometimes it just, it feels too vulnerable. Sometimes it feels too self-indulgent, yeah. all those things. So yeah. So how, how do you feel like being an Enneagram 2 has played out for you as a mother? Yes. There are so many ways that I think, um, and I I think it's good because I am so self-aware, almost to a fault (laughs) of just being so against my my own issues (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I can sometimes swing the other way. But I do think it affects me that I'm very good at listening to my kids' heart and hearing their feelings and wanting to comfort them and being empathetic. But then, yeah, then it can totally mean that I have a hard time 
bringing myself to discipline as easily because I just want their feelings to be heard and their needs to be met. And it's a little bit hard to draw a line sometimes Mm. to just say this was wrong and you need to be disciplined for it because it's a little bit happier to just everybody sing kumbaya and talk about our feelings. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's been a good journey though. It's definitely been really good for me to grow and figure out um, how to kind of separate myself from my kids because I think as a mother kind of across the board we can wrap our identity up in our kids Mm -hmm. and so I think that can be very slippery slope for a two who already battles kind of codependency and figuring out your own individuality and so I think that's been a little bit of a journey for me of learning to appreciate my kids for the individuals that God made them to be and that that's a separate individual from me or from my husband and Mm. like learning to nurture the person that they were made to be. Yeah. I mean, that's seriously beautiful. Just what you said about nurturing the individuals and who they are and just knowing that they're completely separate people from you and your husband, which is, which can be hard sometimes because I think a lot of times we look at, I know I do anyways, like look at my children as extensions of me. And it's like, on one hand they are, but on the other hand, obviously they're not because, because they're their own. So yeah. yeah, And I think, I think with motherhood too, it's just so hard, you know, when I really think the vast majority of moms you see on TV, they're like the most unhealthy twos. I don't know if you agree with that, but because they're like, oh, like I never do anything for myself. You know, it's just like, it's so hyper dramatic. And it's like, they're just drowning all the time. And the kids are always, always front and center. And I do think it's like that for a lot of moms. But I also think that TV and media have just really amped it up uh-huh. from the contrast of talking to real life moms that. Yes, we can all struggle with that, but I think then what that can also do, and I think especially for twos, is it could be like, oh, well, this is what I see over and over again on TV. Like, is this what it looks like to be a mom? And is this what it looks like to be a good mom that you just lose yourself in that identity, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, well, I think twos can kind of, one of their their negative things of being a two can also be kind of playing the martyr. So Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely like an unhealthy thing that you can tend towards if you're not, you know, having a healthy boundary for motherhood. And Mm. yeah, you could just slip into sacrificing and meeting other people's needs, but then you kind of are expecting something in return kind of deep down. And when you don't get it, then it's kind of a woe is me attitude that you can slip into if you're not being careful and checking your motives and all that thing. Yeah, that's good. And I I think I don't often think about that part of twos, you know, but mm-hmm. okay. So I had another question for you. As a two, okay, let's say we're doing like a women's Bible study together or we're in a mom's group or whatever. And I'm just meeting you and I know about the Enneagram but I'm not a two. And I just want to be like the best friend to you that I can be. So what does that look like entering into a relationship with another female, but who is a two? Yeah, I think probably learning 
what you can about her, like her likes and her dislikes, so that you can keep those in your brain. (laughs) So I think learning her love language, things like where she likes to get her drink, like from Starbucks or something, little things that you can remember make a huge deal to it too, I think. Just knowing that you were remembered and what your preferences or your needs were and have that be remembered and met for you, I think is a big deal. And yeah, I think just being able to rest in who she is as a person and not expecting something from her. Mm. Um, I think as a two, we tend to give ourselves so much. And one of our core fears is like being unworthy of being loved apart from what we're giving to people. And so I think just giving her affirmation when she hasn't done anything for you or to you or to make you feel a certain way and just affirming who she is as a person and her value to you just because of who she is, I think is a really good, a really good place to start. I love it. What is one thing that you feel like women should just stay away from? Like that, if you're like, okay, if you could please just not do this one thing with the two, that'd be so helpful. <laughs> um, I think to feel manipulated or mm. taken advantage of, Yeah, I think are two things that are really big. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because it's a little bit more my personal pain button or my two pain buttons, but um we can slip into being manipulative ourselves as twos on our bad days. And so I think that is like a really huge like red flag hurt for me is to feel like people are just trying to get something from me or to say or do certain things to get me to respond a certain way mm-hmm. or to kind of get something out of me. So I think I think that's probably a big thing to make sure you are affirming affirming the two for who they are and making sure you're not trying to get too much just because they tend to give a lot. Yeah. Which I mean, in in my humble opinion is just really sick anyways. Like if like if someone is legitimately trying to get everything they can from me, I'd be like, who are you? Like, bye. Right. Well I think it can it can happen in just subtle ways in terms of like, oh, can you pick up that the Bible study book mm, from church for me? And just asking yeah. like little things over and over just because she's your go to friend. Yeah. That's so I think it's so not good. necessarily even the big things, but mm-hmm. just like the little things that can because they would resonate so deeply with me negatively as a two, um, just kind of being aware of those little things that can kind of be a build up to Yeah. That's not even necessarily mal malintended, but just that it can build up or make make it to feel taken advantage of. Yeah, that's great. And I so maybe like even having more of an awareness of what you are asking or requiring of your friend who's a two because that mm-hmm. you might not even realize like you said if she's your if she's your go-to friend and you're like, "Oh, Sally won't mind. Sally's just always she just always wants to help. She just always wants to serve. Like she loves this stuff. Yeah, just maybe, right. maybe not to put that on the old Sally girl so much. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, and I think that's that's where being a two, you need to have the healthy boundaries in place of recognizing your limits and recognizing your um, intentions behind things and and all of that because it it is still on you as the two to have healthy boundaries and let people know when you need to say no, but, but yes, as the friend of the two, it's also very good to be just aware of what you're asking and what you're expecting of that friend to make sure that you're not overstepping their boundaries that are really hard for them to keep in place sometimes. So if 
I have a friend who's a two and I were to ask them, and obviously I know this probably depend on the day and how healthy they're doing and, you know, feeling and all that. But if I were to ask them like, Hey, are you okay doing this? Or like, are you sure? I mean, is there, is there kind of any better way to phrase that for a two that they would actually feel like they have permission to be honest? Yeah, I think, I think those are good questions to ask. I would, I'm trying to think of how you'd phrase it. Mm -hmm. Maybe just like, does this overwhelm you or would that be too much for you? Because I think recognizing the the need part of it is important. So Mm. is that, yeah, is that too much or is that overwhelming or is this, an okay thing to ask or expect of you. I think those would be good ways to word it. I think that's really, really helpful. I, I always want to be so mindful of the way that I word things to people because Uh I'm painfully aware of how even one word can set people off when you're like, no, 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 wait, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. Like it can, it can just be a whole big thing. And especially for someone who that you're chatting with, that's their go-to, their tendency is to just give and give and give. Like I, I would just never want someone who that's their bent to feel like they have to go even further for me. You know, it just, oh, mm-hmm. it would just break my heart to think that. Okay. Probably my last question for you. And then we will wrap this up. What number, what other number do you feel like you just kind of click with the best or the most quickly? I think sevens are kind of easy. Um, I think they, I mean, I feel like you can go either way depending on if you're a healthy two or not, but I feel like there are things about sevens that you can just appreciate a lot because at least for myself, I'm just so busy trying to meet other people's needs and getting so overwhelmed with things that I just appreciate a seven's ability to just be very carefree about a lot of things. And then I'm trying to think, I think nines, I think my husband's a nine. And so I think it's, it's very comfortable to view as a nine because I feel like nines are just kind of comfortable for most people to be around but yeah yeah, so I think nines are just like a comfort person and Mm -hmm. other twos are also really good to be around yeah and yeah because then 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 you can like get each other right like speak the same language yes yes and I feel like you're you just know that the other person's getting you I think in deeper ways of like I didn't even have to say anything and that Mm. person just knew what you appreciate as someone who usually gives that but Mm. yeah but it's definitely like a good thing to to be working on all the numbers because they're definitely ones that set me off a little bit more that are harder for me to get along with and one of those would be obviously an eight Mm -hmm. um just because they're a little bit more hardcore on (laughs) about everything yeah but um but it's so good because that's actually been like such a good growing growing point for me is to start learning how God made everybody the way that he made them on purpose Mm -hmm. and that they're all necessary and a good thing. And if the world was full of twos, it would be lots of singing and happiness, but nothing would ever be accomplished and no one would have healthy boundaries. So (laughs) I think it's, it's just such a good thing to start being in tune as a two with all the other people and what their needs are and how they like to express themselves. And Mm. yeah, just the way that God made them and intended them to kind of walk out their giftings and their personality and the world needs black and white and the world needs truth and the world needs 
fun and all the different things that are seen through the other numbers. So I think that's really good. Hmm. Well, that is the perfect note to end on because I couldn't agree more. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Fruitful Life podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing it some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thank you so much for tuning in. To stay in touch with all things Fruitful Life, you can check out lifeasalowen.com or follow me on Instagram, lowen.